Hi! Welcome to my podcast, Traumatic Transformations, where we help you find hope, peace, and purpose after a big life change or a traumatic event. I'm your host, Gunjani Patel, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist, trauma specialist, and a neuroscience nerd. Join me as I dive deep into resiliency, post-traumatic growth, and normalize mental health to reduce the stigma associated with it. In each episode, I plan to deliver science-backed, actionable tips and strategies so you can take back the control over your life and be inspired to be the best version of yourself with each day forward. So tune in every Tuesday for a featured guest and every Thursday for a solo episode with me where we unpack mind, body, brain, and spirit connections related to each episode with the featured guest. Just a quick disclaimer before we begin today. The purpose of this podcast is to inform you, educate you, and raise your awareness. It is not intended to replace any medical advice or professional help seeking that you may need. So please use this information wisely and any opinion that I cast is not to replace any medical advice. And quickly before we start today, I just wanted to ask you a favor. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe so you never have to miss an episode. Thank you so much. And if you rate and review, it would really help us with the algorithm so people can easily search the show if they would like. So I would really love to hear your feedback and what you have to say uh, so I can bring you the content that's most fit for you. Thank you so much. Welcome to another episode of Traumatic Transformations. Today, I'm going to be in conversation with a woman who served 911 dispatch for 14 years, which left her cranky, fat, and cynical as a result of it. So without any further ado, please allow me to introduce you, Edie DeVilbus, who is very passionate about sharing her discoveries with you. She suffered compassion fatigue, health problems, and spiritual malaise. Over the following 20 years, she intentionally renewed her life. Along the way, she earned her MS and an MDiv and served as an addictions counselor and chaplain before retiring in 2020. Woohoo! Great year for you. Yes. Now enjoying a peaceful, thin, and joyful life she loves, it is her delight to help other people in their journey and inviting you and your best future self through working with her. You'll gain simple and actionable tools to shape a life you love. And her favorite quote is, good habits are the key to success. Bad habits are the unlocked door to failure by Og Mendino. And I really am so honored to have you on the show today, Edie. So thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait for this action-packed next 40, 45 minutes to learn so much about you and the things that you have to teach us. So welcome, and I'm so glad you could join us. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me, Gunjani. I got it, right? Yep, you did. Uh, Gunjani, because I love the work that you do. I, I look, I am so passionate about mental health that we really need to take care of ourselves. And so Absolutely. thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. It's so my pleasure. I can't wait to learn um, so much from you. So tell us about uh, a little bit about your, since this show is Traumatic Transformations, tell us a little bit about your traumatic part of your journey and, you know, what that looked like and where, how that impacted you and who you are today. Okay. Okay. So I worked in 911. I got promoted to supervisor. You know, in every place where I've ever worked, there's always been that one person that nobody wants to work with. Yeah. You oh, know? Can we all relate to that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They walk in the room and everybody gets quiet. Yes. And I always kind of wondered what that felt like because that was not my experience. Wow. Until it happened to me mm. that I walked in the room and said, hey there. And everybody turned to their computers and got very busy. Wow. And um, didn't talk to me much unless they had to. They would answer questions. Mm. And if I spoke, they would speak back. Wow. What was that like and, for you? Yeah. It felt really icky. And mm. I know that's a really powerful descriptive word, isn't it? Um, it hurt. Yeah. It hurt. It was really sad. I was really, I was actually befuddled. Um and then I'm a really self-reflective person. And I started realizing that I, I sort of brought it on myself. I was getting crankier and crankier, much harder to get along with. Mm. No one in my life was pleasing me. Right. Um, I was getting sick more and more frequently. Um, I was disconnected from family. I was disconnected from friends. And... Um, yeah. So um, a few days after I'd gotten frozen the first time, uh, I had a run in with two of my kids. I've got three children and I had a run in with two of my children and I ended up walking away feeling that same way. And that's when I realized that it was kind of, well, I didn't realize it. So one of my dear friends and I got together for a cup of coffee hmm. and I, I was telling her about the two incidents and she said, well, you know, what's the common denominator? And I was like, all the people in my life are jerks. And she said, really? And I said, oh, oh, I'm the common denominator, huh? And she said, mm, yeah, yeah. She said, I've been so worried about you. You are, yeah, you're impossible to get a hold of. It took us three weeks to schedule this coffee date. Wow. Twice in those three weeks, you didn't return my calls. You've never treated me that way before. Wow. Ooh. So then comes in the idea, maybe you need help. Yeah. And so I had to think about that. Okay. And, you know, in 911, in, in emergency services, and I think pretty much in our culture, there's a stigma oh, with absolutely. getting help. Um, yeah, you're weak. Yes. Oh, only crazy people get help. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it took me a while yeah. uh, to go ahead and make that call to get a counselor. What, what, um, got, what, at what point did you get to a place where you were like, you know what, what was that process like for you when you said it took you a while? When I finally did it? Well, what, okay. So true confessions. Yeah. Since I've been working in 911, I don't like to make phone calls. Oh, 
Okay. <laughs> and so I forget to make a phone call. Yeah. Um, if you call me, I'll talk with you. I, sure. I love talking to people, but I don't remember to call. Ah. And so there was that. Yeah. There was the fear mm. of not knowing mm. what I was in for. What is it like? Mm. Do I have to lay down on a couch? Right. Will they hypnotize me? Right. What, what, what is this counseling thing? And so there was fear. And there was also that stigma of, you know, I'm, my mother told me one time, you're a tough woman. Mm. This is what she said. You're a tough woman mm. from a long line of tough women. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Let that sink. Yeah. But I knew I was a tough woman. Yeah. And so I finally, finally got help. Um, my first, uh, maybe wasn't my first. No, my first experience with the, with a counselor was um, really interesting. I would uh, go for my counseling appointment on my lunch hour because I could take some time. I wasn't on the radio all the time. And so I could take some time and run over to my counseling appointment and sit there and cry for an hour and never say a word. Yeah. Go and wash my face with cold water and go back to work. Absolutely. And never tell anybody I was hurting. Yeah. And so, um, but once I finally started talking, we were able to process some things and I made some big changes in my life. And when I, and so I ended up changing jobs. I changed right. in to a different agency or didn't change positions. I was still a dispatcher, but I wasn't a supervisor anymore. I see. Um, and um, the insurance changed and I couldn't afford her anymore. Mm. And so I went a few years without any counseling. And yeah. uh, then I had a, a call that um, I, I had a really, really tough call. Yeah. And um, sometimes you connect with somebody so powerfully and your heart hurts. Yeah. And I recognized that it was starting to affect me. Um, I actually had more physical effects from that call than I had before. So I, I had cramps in my leg, in the back of my leg. Um, and I was having nightmares. Wow. And... Um, so I got a hold of the EAP, the uh, Employee Assistance Program, mm -hmm. and they referred me to a counselor. And I finally got a hold of the counselor, and my next available appointment was six weeks away. Wow. I was like, uh, yeah, that's not working for me too well. No. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so I was uh, visiting with a friend of mine who is a nurse. Yeah. And she said, oh, I can get you some help. I have a massage therapist friend. Wow. And um, I went to this massage therapist and he, he, it was an hour appointment. I think he massaged me for an hour and 15 minutes. Mm. And then we, we talked before he got started. We talked when he was done and he was the one who told me about meditation. Mm. Um, so he helped me release the, the leg cramps. Wow. Um, so the leg cramps, um, as we talked about it, he was more a therapist than him. Well, no, he was a massage therapist because yeah. the, the massage is really what released it. But we talked about it, and he said, you're trying to run away from it. Yes. That's why your legs are cramping. Absolutely. And so, um, but he told me, 
I said, well, how do you deal with other people's pain like this all the time? He said, I meditate for two hours every morning. Wow. I was like, whoa. And so I looked into meditation. Yeah. And the book that I got, because, you know, I always think a book is going to solve my life. Um, And so the book I got talked about how you have to sit in the lotus position and you need a focal point or you need a mantra and blah, blah, blah. And you're supposed to quiet your mind and all this. And so, yeah, I didn't do that. I tried, I think once, maybe twice. You know, people have this misconception about meditation where they think, you know, that you just have to be a monk and sit and meditate for hours on and have your mind still and clear. And you can't do that because you have a busy life. Yeah. And it's not true. Exactly. And my opinion on that or my meditation journey over the years, I've been doing this for on and off 10 years now in terms of meditation and things I've learned. I've done extreme cases of meditations where, you know, I went on this retreat where you would have to be quiet for 10, nine days and you just, you know, look within. And it was a very intensive practice called Vipassana. And then over the years, I've learned that, you know, meditation doesn't always have to be just that kind of meditation and monk-like. It can be, you know, there are like 16 to 20 different kinds of meditations out Mm -hmm. there um, that focuses on guided visualization. And it is for people who Mm -hmm. are busy, you know, there's walking meditation, there's movement meditation, Mm -hmm. there is... um, being, you know, getting in touch with your higher consciousness. There are so many different kinds of meditations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, 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 I want, I'll touch by it based on that and hopefully do yeah. one of these shows on that. But meditation is such an intense practice. Yeah. It's the only thing that I've found, like even as much as I'm a therapist and as much as I, you know, um, want everybody to go to therapy and seek help, I understand that it's not for everybody. It is not possible mm-hmm. for everybody. It's not accessible to everybody. So there are so many different nuances even to therapy as much as I want people to be all about therapy but meditation I have found to be one thing that has no negative side effects none you can literally sit there and meditate for five minutes and that's okay too Mm -hmm. and that's what I teach absolutely that's what I teach that when when we're talking about so over my journey, and we can't go into. And I want to. I want to talk about. What we've only got forty-five minutes, right. and it's twenty years. So, right. and I can talk forever. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to. You know, through some of the things that you mentioned earlier, even in terms of therapy, because you have so much you said that I was like, oh my goodness, I want to touch upon. Um, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned in terms of therapy and it being for the week, um, I wanted to sort of uh, comment on that because that to me that's really important because being a therapist. And, you know, I I graduated from the program that really wanted us to focus on, you know, you have to know what it's like to be on the other side of the couch. Mm -hmm. Um, So as a part of this podcast process, I'm also trying to educate and raise awareness to for people what therapy is, because most people like you and like me, even when I went into therapy, I was under the impression that nothing was wrong with me, even though there were so many things that were wrong with me. And Mm -hmm. I I was so in denial. And we grew up and in our culture, there's so much stigma associated with therapy. And a Mm -hmm. lot of times I think there is misinformation and also uneducatedness about therapy. You Mm -hmm. know, I Mm -hmm. guess I'm 
uneducatedness is not a word, but people are uneducated <laughs> about therapy, right, um, right. you know, as in, we just don't know what it is. So we yeah. don't, and because of that fear, because of that unknown, um, I think there is so much also stigma associated with it. So, um, you know, it's really important that I, I, I want people to know, can you talk a little bit about what your therapy experience was like when it did last and whatever impact that it made okay. on you? Okay. So my first therapist, I'd, I'd literally cried. Yeah. I mean, every time that I walked in, I started crying. Right. Um, and I did finally get to where I talked, but she would just listen and reflect back to what I said. Right. And, and what did that do for you? It helped me see what was coming out of my mouth. It helped me go listen to what I was saying to myself. Right. Um, and I discovered that that I, I don't know about you. I don't know about everybody. Right. But when I talked to myself then, right. I was cruel. Yeah. I had such high expectations that I shouldn't ever make a mistake. Right. You know, people's lives were at stake with the work that I did. So there was no room for error. Yeah. Well, I'm human. Absolutely. I, I had to be able to learn to forgive myself. And the standard that I had for myself, I tried to impose on others. Yes. That didn't work. Yeah. That didn't work. Um, because what that does when you expect other people to be perfect is that that makes them say, yeah, but you're not perfect. You're not perfect. Right. And, and all and they see is your perfection keeps going right. up. And all they see is your errors yes. and they see you acting holier than thou. <laughs> and, and it's just a, a cycle for negative interactions. Absolutely. And, and what so does look like for you? I'm sorry. What does forgiveness look like for you? What, what did goodness? Yeah. That's one of my favorite topics. So I have to discuss yes. And especially given this year and what it's looked like for all of us, you know, yeah. I, I really, I, I know that pe when we talk about forgive, forgiveness, people think, you know, the, the, the word of forgiveness, the word forgiveness has such a misconception to it. And I'll yeah. mention what I think in a bit, but I want to know what that feels like for yeah. you. To me, forgiveness is kind of the root of, of wellness. Yeah. Um, so I think that, that there are, always um, at least three different ways we need to forgive. Mm -hmm. We need to forgive ourselves for being so frail and human yes, and not getting it right. We need to forgive other people for what they have done in their human frailty mm -hmm. that has hurt us. Mm -hmm. But we also need to forgive divinity, holiness for for failing us, you know, for whatever, because we hold things in our hearts. We, and the need for forgiveness is because when we hold grudges, when we hold our anger in, we're carrying an unnecessary burden. Absolutely. When we, when we, and there's a, a great quote, I don't think I can exactly quote it, but yes. the idea is that, um, not forgiving someone else is like punishing them by pouring acid on your own face. Exactly. And so um, 
I had been badly hurt as a child by someone in my family. Mm-hmm. And that for me was the biggest struggle mm-hmm. to forgive that, to forgive that injury. Mm-hmm. And um, I could not pray to forgive. Absolutely. I couldn't do it. I could not do it. Yep. And yep. so I began by praying for the willingness to forgive. Absolutely. And when, when the willingness came, then I was able to release it. Wow. And Beautiful. forgiveness has been such a powerful thing in my life that um, I forgive frequently now. Oh, I, you I, know, I don't, I don't hold grudges. I, I, if I get angry, I will examine what's going on in my own life yeah. Yeah. because it is always me. Yeah. It's always my stuff. Yep. I might not feel good. Um, I might have a boundary that's that I've allowed to be crossed. Yes. Um, there might be circumstances that I can't control. I still want to be a control freak, even yep. though I know the futility of that. We both suffered from that. So, yeah, yeah. I'm mean, yeah. ongoing everyday journey. We learn and we yeah. continue to, yeah. Yeah. And so it's been it's been a journey. So. Absolutely. I love what you said. And, uh, you know, forgiveness, I find that it's often misconstrued as it, it to me, forgiveness doesn't mean what happened is right. It just, no. we, it just means that we choose to let go of the hold that it's having on us now. Mm-hmm. And forgiveness is a beautiful thing because it's about us, not the other person that we are trying to forgive because they live their lives just fine. I believe in karma. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, they will have their stuff coming to them if they you know in this in this life you know that's our balances and checks that we have to keep in order to be a good person to others that if we wish receive wish to receive the goodness for us so i really think that forgiveness is more for us because we hold on to that we live in that pain and in terms of trauma one of the things that i find having a decade over a decade of experience working with trauma Uh, You know, I find that trauma is not just something in our mind. It's something in our body. It's in our spirit. It's in our brain. So it's a very holistic, multifaceted experience. So like you were saying earlier about your massage therapist, you know, where you were having cramps, we carry our trauma in Mm -hmm. our body Mm -hmm. and does like I've heard that two thirds of the PCP or the primary visits and, you know, visits at the uh, emergency room are because people are carrying their stress responses in their body, which yeah. it's not that it causes, you know, you cold and flu, but it's, it, it's correlated to your immunity being, um, you know, severed, which causes mm-hmm. all these other issues that could be easily not happening by practicing some of the things that you are saying, you know, yeah. and you are teaching in your life through your message yeah. and your experiences. Yeah. So yeah. it's really important that we look at trauma as a multifaceted experience, as opposed to just something happening in our mind or something, you know, that we just need to get over and forget Mm -hmm. because that's not how that works. Yeah. And forgive and forget. Give me a break. I will never forget. Exactly. 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 Because, but, but to me, healing looks like what you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. When you have found yourself to be in a place where you have healed or are in the recovery process for, you know, um, because we're always in a recovery process. When you've been through certain traumatic events, it's not just done and over with. It's not dusted. But I find that you are on the other side when you can, when you lose the emotional charge and the pain that you were carrying with mm-hmm. you. 
when you can talk about something without, from a survivor perspective, than a victim consciousness. You know, mm-hmm. when you are able to be in a place where you can discuss things without having that event or those events having a hold on you. And mm-hmm. whatever way it may be, you come mm-hmm. from a place of passion instead of a place of pity. Mm-hmm. A- absolutely. It, it allowed joy to come back into my life. Absolutely. Yes. And I couldn't believe really anymore because yeah. I had the same. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't have to be in community with that person just because you forgave them. Exactly. Not letting them off the hook. doesn't say boundaries. it was okay. Because with forgiveness, there comes boundaries. Because my, my, yeah. the other thing I also got, the other question that I also tend to get is if I forget, if I forgive the person, then, you know, then there's a whole concept of boundaries associated with it. It's like, mm-hmm. if you know you're going to put your hand on the stove once, you got burned. If you know you're going to mm-hmm. do it again, you got burned again. You're not going to do it the third time. So boundaries, yeah. I think that's an, un, we don't discuss that enough in our culture and mm-hmm. in our society, but mm-hmm. it's a very important thing that comes as a part of transformation that, yeah. you know, we, we don't have to keep in touch with people we don't want to keep in touch with you know mm-hmm. we don't yeah. have to allow that toxicity to come into our lives by maintaining good healthy boundaries if it doesn't work mm-hmm. for us it's okay it, mm-hmm. you're not my person and that's okay mm-hmm. and when it's a family member there are times when you have to be in community with them absolutely. but we can still have good boundaries absolutely and we can choose when when the forgiveness process is active and engaged, we can choose to find a way to look at that person compassionately. Absolutely. To say, okay, this is a human who made mistakes that hurt me. Yep. I don't think people intend to hurt their family members. There might be some people who are in so much pain that they do try to hurt. Absolutely. Yep. Um, But I don't think that that's usual. I think that we just accidentally in our own pain, um, inflict pain Cause on others. others. Yeah. I've, I, and I truly am a big believer of hurt people hurt other people. And I'll give you another phrase. Yeah. Healing people are healing people. Love it. Absolutely. Which is because which is what I intend to do in through this process. Yeah. You know, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that is so important for our collective healing Mm -hmm. as a nation Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. as with current situations going on in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So over the years, um, every therapist I ever had, and I promise you, I've had plenty. Yeah. um, (laughs) Hey, you're only human. And at least you are. You know, most people come to therapy in crisis. I yeah. say go to therapy. It's like a car tune-up. You know, you get you change your oil every three thousand miles. You don't just buy a car and then sell it with, with oil change. To me, that's what therapy looks like. It's running yeah. your thoughts by someone, tuning yourself up to be your better version, and having someone hold you accountable if you choose so choose. It doesn't have to yeah. be a lifelong experience with a therapist. It can be yeah. hey, I just want to come in for a tune-up or an appointment and just run things by you for yeah. a few appointments. It can yeah. look as simple as that. Yeah. And so, um, what was, oh, every therapist I ever had said, you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. You got to have good habits. Yeah. I mean, they didn't necessarily say you got to have good habits. Right. And it's funny because my work is in, it's called shape good habits. I love it. And so it's all about our habits. Absolutely. Well, who wants a new habit? 
You don't want it. Nobody wants a new habit. What we want is a life we love. Absolutely. But the only way to get that is through a habit. Absolutely. And we have habits of mind. We have habits of body. We have habits of spirit. Yep. yep. We have financial habits. We have, you know, we have habits for everything. We drive to work the same way every day. Yeah. We, we, we use the same dry cleaner for years. We just, we let, we have one, I don't know, uh, maybe that's just me, but I have, at the restaurants I go to, I have one dish that I like, <laughs> or maybe there's I'm one of those who orders the weirdest things and then hates what I ordered sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But maybe I have three different things yeah. and then I get to decide which one I'm going to have today. Yeah. But it, I don't try the whole menu. I just don't. Yeah. Um, and so it's all habit. Some research says 40% of our day is habit. Yeah. Yeah. Other research is that it's 70%. Yeah. In either case, it's a lot of our day. Yeah. And so how do we have, why do we, how do we get the habits that we need? Because right. we know we need to eat right. 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 We know we need to eat right. Yeah. We know we need to get healthy movement into our lives. Yep. Right. We know that we need to have a spiritual connection. I don't care what your religious belief is. We need a spiritual connection. Absolutely. And we need to mind our, we need to mind our mind. We need to pay Absolutely. attention to our thoughts. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do first? Where are you going to start? How yeah. do you start? What, what are, what are all of these things? Well, yeah. I tell you, I help people yeah. with the how, how do you yeah. start a new habit? And one of the, the issues that I ran into is indecision. Yeah. Um, where do I start? Where do I start? I need to do this and this and this and this and this. That's too much. I can't do all this. Yeah. So I did nothing. Yeah. Or I would decide, okay, I'm going to drop my weight. Now, yeah. Gunjani, I have dropped 85 pounds wow. in the last two years. That is awesome. Through powerful habits. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I would, I would say, okay, I'm going to eat this, this diet yep, and yep. try, try the Mediterranean diet mm-hmm. and Atkins and, um, and I would do really well for yeah. three days, yep. three days. <laughs> well, that's how I shifted from nutrition to psychology. Uh, my background, my bachelor's is in nutrition science. And my uh, mother used to be that person who would go to a dietitian. She would lose all her weight. She would come back home, leave the dietitian when it was all done. And then she'd gain the weight back up again. Right. And to me, I wanted to study a behavior change about why do people yeah. make the changes that they do as opposed yeah. to going to a dietitian, writing people things and coming back and then they are fat again, if that was yeah. their goal to lose weight. Yeah. So to yeah. me, it was more important to study why people made the behavior choices that they made and why they made yeah, what, right. what goes on right. in their heads while right. they were making those choices, which is right. exactly why I love having you on the show, because I yeah. want, want you to shed light on through your experience on, you know, what, because, you know, one of the things that I found in my work and specializing in trauma is that people tend to, even if it's dysfunctional, we tend to do the same things over and over. And then till we get to a place where the insanity part of it kicks in where Mm -hmm. we want different results and then we just get sick and tired of being sick and tired Mm -hmm. until then people don't tend to make changes. And that's what I've found. So correct me if I'm wrong and what your experience is and how we can change. It's it's when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. 
Absolutely, because it's the yeah. familiarity that we're used to. It's yeah. the knowingness that we're used to. That's yeah. the indecisiveness that yeah. we're in, which it makes it so hard to kick in a new habit because it's like, mm-hmm. no, this is dysfunctional, but I do it and I'm used to it. And the new stuff and the change looks not comfortable. Right, and it's not comfortable. And so we, we take measures to to slip past that. It's not comfortable because our amygdala wants to protect us, this... this um, they call some people call it the reptile brain, yep. the part of our brain that keeps us breathing, yeah, that keeps our heart beating, yep. is designed to keep us safe, yes. And anything new and different is unsafe as yes. far as our amygdala is concerned. And so, we have this powerful drive to not change anything. Mm, and absolutely. so, how do we get past that? Well, I love that you mentioned that. Talk to me about yeah. that. <laughs> we start small. We start yeah. now. We start small and we start with one. Yeah. So the, the four pillars of um, habit change are you've got to remind yourself everywhere because mm-hmm. one of the functions of the amygdala is going to be that we forget, just like I would forget to call the therapist. Yeah. Forget, forget, forget. Yep. And so we make this decision that we're going to do this and then we forget about it. We forget our, we pack a great lunch and forget it at home. <laughs> so you got to remind yourself everywhere, but you, you, your first habit, you're the, the first thing, your first step into the new habit has to be pleasurable. Yeah. So if you want to start an exercise habit and you hate to run, okay, that's me. I don't like to run. <laughs> um, and I remember one time I told a friend, oh, we're going to start a running program together. Wow. Yeah. We never got around to it. Um, <laughs> you don't so like to right. run. Yep. You know? Yep. Yeah. Um, so it's got to be pleasurable. And I think it needs to be something where you can, you don't have to buy anything. Yeah. Although I really loved my $120 running shoes. Yeah. yeah. Even though I only walked in them. Um, <laughs> but you got to make it pleasurable. You got to yeah. make it something you really want to do. You've got to keep it so small and so doable that, yep. that it slides under yes. That, yes. that no, it's too new response. Because what we tend to do is we set such big, high, unattainable goals that we're just like, oh, my God, what do you mean I didn't lose weight by tomorrow? I just started diet this week. Right, right. It took me 20 years to get really fat. Yeah. But I wanted to I wanted to drop it. And I, it only took me two to drop it once I got my mindset right. Yes, yes. And, and accepted that this is a lifestyle change. This is not a diet. I did not lose weight. Yeah, because our subconscious will always look for what we've lost. Absolutely. And one of the things that I also find that when we are trying to change habits, if we try to look at it from a state change as an A, this causes me happiness, then and then something else happens that causes me unhappiness. If we look at it from an identity change, it becomes more of a lifestyle as opposed Mm -hmm. to just something that's temporary. Yes. So I I really want to focus on the identity change, like you mentioned, that it has to become a part of you. Um, Mm -hmm. Just like, you know, when you learn to walk, you didn't just start running when you started to learn to walk. You know, a lot of things that we do on autopilot in the beginning takes time to become a part of your subconscious. And Mm -hmm. thus, it's like once you learn how to drive, you don't forget it. Once you learn how to swim, you don't forget it. Once you learn how to bike, you don't forget it. But right. how many times did you fall before you got up and kept right. going? 
How many right. times did you hit a car or hit a pole yeah. or hit the sideway, you know, before you got straight and going forward? So I think yeah. it's really important yeah. that we allow ourselves those little failures, but then get back up through your reminders, like you mentioned. Yeah. Okay. So you remind yourself, you make it pleasurable, you keep it small and doable. But the fourth one is you got to celebrate. Yes. Just exactly what you're talking about. You've got to make it feel so good. Right. And in my program, yeah. What I teach people yeah. is you've got to celebrate keeping track. Yes. And so each day you make a check mark or you send somebody a text or yeah. whatever you need to do to acknowledge that you have done the thing that you said you would do or yeah. that you have not done and you celebrate that you tracked it. Yes. Because paying attention is the key. Paying attention. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more because one of the things that happens with the two pieces to that, what you just said, is awareness. That sometimes Mm -hmm. when we want to change, we have to be aware that we are trying to do that. Mm -hmm. And it has to be in front of us. It's like if we are Mm -hmm. learning to drive and we don't know where we're going, we we won't get there. You know, so I think it's really important in terms of having formation to set in, um, you know, whether it's you're trying to make a change of losing weight, whether you're trying to make a change of, you know, being more balanced, being, you know, in your mm-hmm. mind or being more calm or connecting to your higher self, whatever that big habit may be, I think it's really important that we have a vision of it every day and where it's in our mm-hmm. awareness every day. Otherwise it's forgotten, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And then the right. second thing that you mentioned is keeping track helps the dopamine receptors, which are the parts of our brain that are the reward centers. So it's like, you know, we do something and we get rewarded for it. We want to do more of it. You know, that's the human behavior. We like positive reinforcement. And if we get rewarded for something, yay. So if you celebrate, like you said, Mm -hmm. it absolutely sets in because most of these apps, what do they do? They help you. You drink water. They remind you to drink water, but you have to click a button because you're celebrating or you're Mm -hmm. setting in that awareness that, hey, I did it. And then it becomes Mm -hmm. a habit before you even know it. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, like you said, tracking and celebrating, it triggers our dopamine responses, which is makes it more exciting. Like, yes, I'm doing this. It's paying Mm -hmm. off. Yeah. When those apps don't work, though, it's because we're not tracking it because we're embarrassed that we didn't do it. Absolutely. So so we stop. We stop trying because it's painful to admit that we didn't do it. But, yeah. you know, these keys work together because you got to have it so small and so doable. Yeah. So the first habit that I teach yeah. is five minutes of silence a day. I love it. It's the first baby step into a meditation practice. Yeah. I don't know of anybody that meditation wouldn't help, but yeah. there might be some. Yeah. Um, but some of the people that I've worked with after just five days of an intentional five minutes of silence report that they're they're less cranky, they're not overreacting as much, they're they're more peaceful in their day, they're better able to enjoy their day. It's a powerful thing to do. And our society is not supportive of it. Really because really. we always like all this background noise. It, yeah. it takes away from what's going on in our head. That's one of the questions yeah. that I often get. So if you would be so kind to sign out can shed light on that. You know, it's like when I have when people ask me in terms of meditation and when I teach it to them, they're like, I can't shut my mind off. All these thoughts just keep coming. So mm-hmm. how do you work with that? Right. Okay, with so you're you're human. Yep. Right. And so your thoughts are going to keep coming. Exactly. 
and you just let them come and let them go. And if you find yourself getting caught in thought, um, gently bring it. And when you become aware of that, focus on your breathing. Yes. Breathe in to the count of one. Breathe out to the count of two. Breathe in to the count of one. And, you know, to focus, what I do when I'm focusing on my breathing is try to feel where the breath is going. Uh, I imagine the oxygen entering my blood and nourishing my fingers and my toes and appreciate that I have air and that I have this body that works and, and just let it flow. Yeah. Um, the gentleman who founded Headspace, Andy yeah. Putterling, yeah. Um, talks about it as uh, the blue sky. Yeah. That there, the thoughts are like the little clouds that Alice. go by, but yep. the blue sky is always there. Yes. And so we're, what we're really trying to, to touch or to allow to touch us yes. is that blue sky, that mm-hmm. the, the force that holds the universe together. Yes. I believe it's love. Yes. Um, you know, and uh, sometimes I've done my meditation with an intention of feeling love. Yes. And so get into a state of uh, what it, because there's a certain physical feeling when you oh, know that absolutely. you're loved. Yes. And to get into that feeling state and stay with it as long as possible. Yes. Huge, huge. Uh, gratitude. Yes. Gratitude. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's one and of the things, um, your show is about to be aired right before the holidays. So I'm so happy that you're mentioning these things because I know that as much as we love the celebrations of the holiday and, you know, all the things that we do during it, we it leaves us feeling so drained. And, uh-huh. you know, uh, sometimes the families are great and sometimes there is so much dysfunction, even in the gatherings of that, that, And especially with everything that has happened this year, you know, I really want people to get the message that, you know, I think the more we focus on the positive, the more we focus on the gratitude, Mm -hmm. we can change others, but we can change our reaction to how Mm -hmm. others deal with us, you know? Right. So many times we can't change our circumstances, but the one, the one locus of control we have is us is us and is our thoughts love, our reactions yeah. yes I, I love what you said earlier about you know watching in terms of meditation because I, I i think there is this um misconception that you just have to blank your mind you know when you sit quiet and i i, yeah. I don't think that happens because our mind it's like a monkey it just runs around and we can mm-hmm. the more we try to control it which is very similar to the emotions that we feel when we go through some of the traumatic events and things in our life the idea is not to resist them the idea is mm-hmm. not to push them away but the idea to me as i perceive meditation and the way i've taught to people is that we embrace it we just watch our thoughts and it, we just watch them go away like clouds mm-hmm. and what you were saying earlier you know and i find that to be so powerful because what that does to our brain is that when we don't attach you know what we are used to in our lives and our daily lives and things that you know shape us in our circumstances is that we are just always on the state of reactivity something happens mm-hmm. we react something happens we react and if we don't allow ourselves at least 5 minutes a day where we just sit mm-hmm. with ourselves. And as you said, meditation can also include, 
you know, sitting, sitting and giving yourself all the love and all the compassion and all the healing, because it's like, and I keep going back to the car experience. It's like, once you buy a car, it doesn't mean you never fill it up with gas. You have mm-hmm. to fill yourself because otherwise you're going to be pouring from an empty mm-hmm. bucket. And are you really present? Are you really your best evolved self? If you don't practice some of these things, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't fill yourself with love, how do you give love to other people? Mm-hmm. Then you're at, you get to a point where you're spent, you feel helpless, you feel hurt, you feel burnt out. And is that the place you want to be in, you know? And if that's not the place, then I think meditation really has a place where you fill yourself with just all that love and all that peace and all that compassion. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's really, really important that we feel that entire experience in our bodies because our Mm -hmm. bodies carry all that stress, all that dislike, and all that reactivity, whether mm-hmm. we acknowledge that to ourselves or not. Mm-hmm. So in the five minutes, like you said, in the meditation, I think it's really important to just heal ourselves and refill it with just, mm-hmm. to me, when I meditate and close my eyes and tend to go into my center, I find myself in a place where this universal dust is flying all over the place. And it's just a literally most beautiful mm-hmm. experience that I just need to feel for that five minutes so I can mm-hmm. celebrate mm-hmm. my presence on this planet, mm-hmm. even if it's for five minutes every day. Yeah, absolutely. And my experience was that five minutes a day started to increase. And so, yes, because when you love what you're doing, like you said, you do more of yeah, it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But yeah, that's not the only starting point. But yeah. the, the, one of the keys is to get to the very smallest step you can. Absolutely. Um, and that's one of the ways I mentor people is to help them brainstorm. What is the smallest step? What's, yeah. what's your barrier? Because sometimes we trip on something that's no bigger than a piece of paper. Absolutely. So true. Uh, yeah. And I think that's the message that I want to leave people um, through your listening with us as in, you know, what are some of the things that you find yourself challenging, challenged by? What are the things that you find yourself struggling with? I think that's Mm -hmm. being aware and being that Mm self-aware is a big key to change and, you know, Mm -hmm. the process of healing, the process of forgiveness, the process of loving yourself, the process Mm -hmm. of seeing the best you that you have been waiting to become. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we don't know where we're going, we don't know how to get there, you know? Right. Um, Right. And, And we might have an idea of what our destination is. Right. But our habits are taking us in a different road. Absolutely. I, I live in, in San Antonio. If I wanted to get to Los Angeles, right. I'm not going to go east on I-10. Right. Yeah. I need to go west. Yeah. But sometimes our habits are taking us east on I-10. You're not going to get to LA. You're just yeah. not going to get to Los Angeles that way. Absolutely. If you want to get there, you're going to have to turn around and go the right direction. Absolutely. And it just, it makes so much sense, but it's so hard to give us that grace. Yes. To give ourselves that grace. Absolutely. To say, you know, it's okay to keep trying. Absolutely. We, we just got to keep trying. Yeah. Nobody ever does anything perfectly the first time. Absolutely. Where and there is no that? such thing as perfection. It's such an right. illusion. Once we get to that perfect, that idea of perfection yeah. changes when we first started. Right, right. I, I'm, I'm not going for perfection i'm looking for competence right now uh, <laughs> but every every position that you have such a 
beautiful, peaceful, just calm energy about you. Like when I talk mm-hmm. to you, I just automatically feel so at peace. No, if it wasn't because of those habits, because of some of the mm-hmm. things, because you came from a world of 911 dispatching to reaction and, you know, all the fast paced mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. and it didn't serve you. And mm-hmm. now you are in a place which is exactly the opposite after having mm-hmm. gone through all this healing and changing yeah. your habits and now impacting others. Yeah. Too, so, yeah. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, but calm has always been part of my story. Wow. And that's one of the reasons I was good at 911. Yeah. Because it didn't freak me out, except internally, where yeah, I right. embodied it. Um, right. But yeah. 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 Uh, so, and I also love what you said a little bit ago where you were, you know, that you mentioned that it's really important that we give ourselves the grace because mm-hmm. we are in this season of grace. We're in this season of gratefulness. We're in this season to end this year. Because, you know, one of the misconceptions that I also keep hearing and finding in people is that, you know, 2020 has been the worst year ever, but it's not that all of a sudden December 31st, 2020 ends and your problems end. If your habits don't end or if your mindset doesn't shift, then they will still stick around. But right. if you are able through through this process and through this journey of self-discovery and transformation of your best self to your best self, I think, you know, this you you could get to a place where you would consider 2020. If you can beat that, then you can beat anything that's mm-hmm. to come. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's certainly been a year of challenges. It, at every level. Um, and, but we, we are prevailing. Yes. We are doing what we need to do. And look at the gifts of 2020. Yeah. You know, there, our pollution has gone down. Families are getting closer than ever. Not all families, yeah, yeah. but some families are. Yeah. And, you know, I know the economic impact on a lot of people has been absolutely devastating. Absolutely. And yet... There's still hope. Yes. You know, there's still people who care. Yeah. We it has been an opportunity to come together in a different way. Absolutely. Um, it it has offered margin in some lives. Yeah. And so if we focus on that instead of just the bad difficulties, thing. because I really do think that in a in a in a global sense. Yes. We're looking at a good five years of global grief. Yes. That we we will be grieving not just the people that we have lost, but the way of life that that has been shifted. And we can expect people to be on edge. And, and so this so work becomes so that. much more important. Absolutely. That, that we who who want to yes. take care of our lives. Yes. Develop these practices to be able to absolutely to withstand it, withstand it because we all grieve. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you're mentioning that because that's, that is to come. I think it's really important to mention that through this process, we are going to grieve the loss of the old normalcy that we thought Mm -hmm. was, you know, I, I don't think life will ever go back to what we used to be. But I yeah. think either it'll change for the better or we will adapt to the things that we've been through in this year 
with mm-hmm. a better sense of, you know, perspective, hope and optimism. You know, mm-hmm. I always tend to be a person I never used to be when I was younger, but, you know, through my healing process, I tend to be a person who always looks at glass half full, you know, mm-hmm. and I, like you said earlier, uh, you know, if you're grateful for the little things we have, we attract bigger things that are more mm-hmm. to be grateful for. So mm-hmm. I think it's really important, especially in this season that, you know, some of us, I'm sure that we've been through so many challenges and so many things, but what are some of the things that you can still, in the midst of all of that, we can still be grateful for in our mm-hmm. own lives and in our mm-hmm. own selves, you know, because yeah. things that we so easily take for granted, others don't have the privilege of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I feel that I could keep talking to you forever. Uh, (laughs) But I really hope that this episode really helps people reflect um, on changing habits, changing, you know, applying some of these small actionable steps that you really discussed, but were very powerful um, in order to make the necessary behavioral changes that they need to make in order to Mm -hmm. become their best self. Because I think Um, that's my goal for the, my audience is to, you know, for them to have been through the worst things in their lives, but yet thrive to be their best selves through all of that by mm-hmm. learning, self-improving, focusing yeah. on growth, you know? Yeah. So thank you so much for joining me and being a part of my journey. Thank you so much, Gunjani. Yes, it is absolutely uh, a pleasure. If your people would like to, to know more, so please, You're welcome yeah, to come us. to my website, right. www.shapegoodhabits.com, S-H-A-P-E-G-O-O-D-H-A-B-I-T-S, Shape Perfect. Good Habits. Uh, shape is because it's such an intentional process. Wow, I love it. So, How yeah. else can they reach you? Would, would they have uh, your, your email and everything to find uh, you? Th- they would be able to contact me through that. Okay. I'll mention um, everything that you have meant yeah. uh, showed, you know, yeah. meant, uh, shared with me on yeah. my show notes so yeah. that they okay. can have all the information awesome. about you and great things that you have to offer so yes that would be phenomenal is there anything yeah. else that you would like I to just in this holiday season yes. i just pray for the best thank you for everyone that that we all face our lives with gratitude and a sense of awe yes that we have this life Absolutely. And that we are. And remember, it's all about love. Yes. Because literally love can conquer a lot more things than hate can. Mm-hmm. So. Love can heal us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so as usual, as we end this episode, I would like to send everybody my love and light and all the, I'm so grateful to have you all um, on my show and supporting me through this journey and through this process. And please keep the comments coming. I really appreciate you leaving those comments for me because it really helps me to learn, get to know you better and bring you people like Edie that can really help you on your journey. Also, be so kind to share it with someone that you know might benefit from this. And if you could please subscribe so you never have to miss an episode. Also, if I can ask you for a favor for you to rate and review if you like what you hear so that it helps us get better and it helps us with the algorithm so other people can easily find us. Thank you so much and see you next time.